Order. The Prime Minister. What a good idea. I move we take the Speaker's words down. Mr. President, catch this. The point of order is sustained. I rise today to begin to filibuster America and reach for the stars. We are human together. The best in America. I might have got here on my own. Howdy and welcome back to This Is News. I'm Reem Mayhem, joined, as always, by This Is News Senate Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic, Reem. How are you doing? All things considered, I'm doing okay. Jack, before we get into tonight's show, and boy, is there a lot we need to talk about, I just wanted to make a quick pitch to all of our listeners. If you have a friend, a coworker, an acquaintance, maybe a crush even, who you think would really like this podcast, go ahead and just send them a link. You're scrolling through um, a dating app. Jack, can you name a dating app? Uh, Twitter essentially counts at one. <laughs> there was a hashtag about through, that. Let's say you're scrolling through a dating app and you you match with this person and you honestly don't think things are going to work out with them. Just send them a link to the podcast. Um, exactly. See what happens. You should so, place this podcast success about your own, above your own individual happiness and desire for love and companionship. We're, we're more important yeah. is essentially what Reem's telling you. It would be appreciated by us is what we're both telling you. Um, exactly. So make this podcast one of the centers of your life is basically. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's really the message here because you know, yeah, before, but before we get into all of the news of which there is a lot, as y'all might be aware, I first need to issue a correction. Last week, I mentioned that uh, Nashville was hiding COVID stats to justify stronger COVID restrictions. This story was spread uh, among all of conservative media after Tucker Carlson aired it on his show. Tucker Carlson has come out and apologized as according to the Daily Beast, uh, that story has been redacted. So... That was not true for us. But of course, moving on to the biggest news of this week, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died at 87 years old. Her life was one of the great stories of the American dream. She's truly a great American that both sides of the aisle should admire and remember for years to come. She overcame so much tragedy and barriers, and she lived a truly successful and consequential life. Uh, I mean, starting from the very beginning, her mother was very influential to her and made her start having a love for education. Yet tragically, the day before her high school graduation, her mom died of cancer. She didn't let that stop her, though. She graduated from the top of her class in Cornell in 1954. She got married to her husband, Martin, that same year, and then she proceeded to put education on hold to start a family. But eventually, she enrolled in Harvard Law. And there in 1956, her husband, who was also attending, got diagnosed with testicular cancer. So she simply handled it like a boss and took notes for him and her at the same time while in law school. And during her time in Harvard, the uh, quite sexist and disgusting dean of Harvard Law asked her what made her feel she had the right to take a man's spot in her class. Now, of course, the real problem was that there was a man in Ginsburg's spot on the Supreme Court, but this really just shows all the discrimination and barriers she had to face uh, moving her way up the career ladder back in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. She transferred to Columbia Law and graduated first in her class in 1959. Sexism played a major part in her struggle to find a job, but she did work for the 
ACLU and fought successfully for gender equality. She successfully argued six cases before the Supreme Court. Before in 1980, she was appointed by President Carter to the D.C. Court of Appeals. And then in 1993, she was appointed by President Clinton to the Supreme Court. Now, she is a part of what was perhaps one of the most beautiful things in our politics over the last few decades, and that was her friendship between her and the late Justice Scalia. Scalia was, of course, a originalist. He was on the right side of the court. Ginsburg was a judicial activist. She was on the very left side of the court, and it didn't seem like they should agree with each other, but they had a beautiful friendship where they went to the opera together, they went riding zebras together, and Justice Scalia's son, actually, after she passed, posted this expert excerpt from a book. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the name of the book, but the gentleman who wrote it uh, noted this about the friendship between Justice Scalia and Justice Ginsburg. He says, quote, During one of my last visits with Justice Scalia, I saw striking evidence of the Scalia-Ginsburg relationship. As I got up to leave his chambers, he being Scalia, he pointed to two dozen roses on his table and noted that he needed to take them down to Ruth for her birthday. Wow, I said, I doubt I have given a total of 24 roses to my wife in almost 30 years of marriage. You ought to try it sometime, he retorted. Unwilling to give him the last word, I pushed back. So what good have all these roses done for you? Name one 5-4 case of any significance where you got Justice Ginsburg's vote. Some things he answered are more important than votes. I let him have the last word. Uh, Reem, your thoughts on her passing? Yeah, so let me be very clear about one thing here, is regardless of one's opinions about Justice Ginsburg's jurisprudence, of which there we are have many disagreements, have, yes. Um, and those disagreements, I'm sure, will have a place in law review journals for the next decade. But right now, what's important is remembering that Justice Ginsburg was an exceptional public servant who was dedicated to the institutions that are the Article Three branch of the U.S. government, um, the judicial branch. And she tirelessly served in those institutions. And I'm sure we will hear about her impact on former clerks and advocates and current judges for many years to come. But I just wanted to read two different um, tributes that came from current and former Supreme Court justices on her death. Um, there's a full compilation of those from SCOTUS blog, which we'll include in the show notes. But let me first start with Chief Justice John Roberts, who said, quote, our nation has lost a jurist of historic nature. We at the Supreme Court have lost a cherished colleague. Today we mourn, but with confidence that future generations will, be, will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her a tireless and resolute champion of justice. And then, much shorter than that, is the statement from retired Justice David Soder, who only required two sentences, and I think summed up, I think what a lot of those who worked with Justice Ginsburg felt, um, just from what all they'd been saying, here's what he said. Ruth Ginsburg was one of the members of the court who achieved greatness before she became a great justice. I loved her to pieces. Unfortunately, we have to move on. Yeah, and I gotta say, it's a really sad irony that a woman who 
in her personal life showed how you can go across political lines and build great friendships and relationships that that woman's death is probably going to lead to so much division in the nation. And I have to say, I was very disgusted. Uh, her, not even 30 seconds after her, I found out about her death, you could find Leader McConnell talking about how we're absolutely going to fill the Senate seat. And you could find uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer talking about how we're absolutely not going to f- uh, fill the Senate seat. And everyone got political really, really quick. And that kind of seems like a gross thing we do in politics now. It feels as if there should be uh, at least a little bit of time where you just recognize the person as a human being before you get political. And I think uh, we can find some some kind of idea about how long we should wait in Scripture. It seems to me if Jesus was able to wait three days before his resurrection after his death to unveil the greatest policy in human history, providing a path to salvation, no policy you're coming up with, no justice seat is ever going to top that. If he can wait three days for the greatest news Earth's ever heard, you can wait three days before you get political about who should fulfill or who should fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. And it was surprising the person who had the most humane and compassionate response to her death was president trump which uh reem and i both gave a collective sigh of relief well, for yeah his, we had that his one. first reaction was quite like yeah he he actually for him. yeah he looked very sad and he said that she was a fantastic woman and a fighter and that uh she would be missed which makes you wonder is he like one of those people who is a good person deep down, but he puts on like the bully vibe because he doesn't want anyone to know how he is. No, that can't, that can't be it. He, he's I crazy. I don't think that's a joke. No, it's crazy. But it's some, somewhere in him, there's a, there's a piece of his heart that apparently has a little bit of compassion. Or he knew this was coming. Donald Trump prepped for a statement in advance in your world. I'm going to go with my theory. Okay. But anyway, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away, the SCOTUS seat is now open. So, President Trump, if you are listening, I have a I have a nominee for you. His name is Jack Shields. Uh, <laughs> several things about him: staunch originalist, hilarious, um, popular, loved by millions. Honestly, uh, I will be great on the court. I <laughs> am only 20 years old. So you could get 60 to 70 years of conservative jurisprudence from me. Just originalist opinion after originalist opinion. And I know the objections in the Senate. They're going to be like, this kid hasn't graduated law school. Hear me out. Hear me out. Until I graduate law school and pass the bar and am officially qualified, I will simply concur with everything Justice Thomas does. So I see this as an absolute win. And I look forward to the Senate confirmation. The Dems will try to destroy me, but I will destroy them. I can't wait to face Elizabeth Warren. We'll see who can really persist when that debate comes up. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's a lot there. Um, One, bold of you to put on a partisan jersey. Um, Well, I mean, you only had to watch one episode of this podcast to figure out where I stand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So... Yeah, uh, I'd be interested to see what would happen if Trump nominated someone with literally no formal legal education. Um, I'd put on a show that that amazed the world, Reem. Now, I will say this. I don't think Texas A&M has ever had a student or alum uh, be nominated to the Supreme Court. So it'll be first time for everything. It'll be great. All right. 
Hey, if they stack the court, I could truly be the twelfth man. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> Jack. All right, let's talk about court packing. Actually, so it's bad. End of story. During the Democratic primary, it had been kind of a like subject for really, really online progressives to talk about was... But Pete Buttigieg said he'd consider it. Multiple justices, or multiple candidates, including Kamala Harris, who is most likely going to be your next VP, has said she'd do it. Um, There is a... I'll I'll tell you the percent chance, according to 538, of her being your next vice president, Jack. It makes me cry if we don't don't need to say these things. Uh, 77% chance Mm. as of... September 24th, 2020 at 8, 11 p.m. Central Time. Best of luck, America. Joe Biden wins. Uh, 23% chance that Donald Trump wins. I see this as, well. We'll we'll, we'll get to the discussion about the election later on in the show. I'm sure. Um, So, yeah, so court packing and abolishing legislative filibuster and these kinds of structural reforms had been things that had been talked about by Democrats. In fact, even promised by some Democrats. Granted, they did nominate Joseph Robinette Biden to be their presidential nominee, but they also nominated Kamala Harris to be their VP. So I think that should count for a little bit. I mean, the radical is one heartbeat away from taking over. But Jack, one very, very, very old heartbeat. As is Mike Pence. Um, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I prefer that. Jacks, I, I think a lot of people in the Trump campaign might also prefer that right now. I think a lot um, of like people would prefer that. <laughs> Even we on can the talk about the vice president another week, probably after their debate. Um, yes. Jack, I compiled five dates within the last 10 years, mm-hmm. um, or seven years, I suppose, given when the first date is, that reflect the what I call the death of the Senate. And I know we're talking about the filibuster already next that week. That was actually when Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon and uh, marched in for a fight. That that was when the Senate truly started to fall. So I know we're talking about this next week <laughs> on episode 25. Going to talk about the filibuster. Also going to talk about the presidential debate that's happening next week. We'll be previewing that here a little bit later in the episode. But here are five dates, Jack, that mark the death of the Senate as an institution. Number one, November 21st, 2013, on a 52 to 48 vote, the filibuster is abolished for all nominations except the Supreme Court. Harry Reid thought he'd never lose an election. Jack, you want to know something interesting about what that rule change allowed to happen? Mitch McConnell to put my boy Gorsuch and Kavanaugh on the court. Not just that. It allowed for the following people to be confirmed by Donald Trump. Betsy DeVos, who was confirmed 51 to 50. (laughs) <laughs> and Mnuchin, Pompeo, Barr, and Rex Tillerson. The only reason they were able to be confirmed is because Harry Reid brought that forward. Yes, Democrats, uh, as, I'll get, as I'll explain later on in this podcast, I want to be able to live with y'all and compromise and have our institutions. But if you want to do mutually assured destruction, we'll win. All right. All you, right. You got be mutually assured destruction. Number two, <laughs> February 13th, 2016. Justice Scalia dies. The same day, Mitch McConnell announces 
that no nominee of Obama's is going to be considered yes. by the Senate. Cocaine Mitch is a legend, a ruthless leader in the Senate. We love him. Every conservative because loves Mitch Cocaine McConnell Mitch. McConnell believes in as soon as he's dealt his hand for poker, just showing it to everybody. Being like, oh, look at that. I've got a pair of aces. Ha. I love um, Mitch. Mitch is amazing. March 16th. Sorry. Yeah. March 16th, 2016. Judge Merrick Garland is nominated to be the Supreme Court Justice. A noted centrist. Mitch McConnell reaffirms his commitment to an action. Now, I'd like to make a case here, Jack, that I think Republicans should have done something different with the Scalia vacancy and the Garland nomination. Mm-hmm. What do you think they should have done? I think that Mitch McConnell should have sent it to a Judiciary Committee hearing where either one, the committee probably could have voted to not recommend it to the Senate. I mm-hmm. think Mitch McConnell could have whipped those votes. Um, or option number two, 40 Republicans should have gotten together and filibustered the nomination on the Senate floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would have... Well, so here's here's what gets me. I don't know how many Democrats were going to complain if Garland wasn't confirmed one way or another. Apparently how all of them, them. And how many of them years. truly did have procedural disagreements with the way Mitch McConnell handled it, right? Mm-hmm. If Mitch McConnell had allowed the nominee to... If Mitch McConnell had permitted a hearing in judiciary and the hearing had come back saying not recommended, would that have also been a procedural violation? Or if Mitch McConnell had then allowed the nomination to proceed to the floor and 40 Republicans had banded together to filibuster it, would that also be a procedural violation? Like what was the, like, was it, Oh, he didn't even get a vote in committee or was it really, you need to confirm him. It was, you need to confirm him. They're, they're quite clear. I, I don't know if I quite believe, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think for senators like Diane Feinstein, it might've actually been like a, Procedural no, they wanted, they wanted a justice. And make no mistake, if they had the numbers in 2016... They would have confirmed it. They would have confirmed them. Yeah. So that that's also the other thing. This has been showing the blatant hypocrisy of both sides. In 2016, Everybody. every Republican was, you. We, we can't confirm in an election year. And every Democrat was, we have to confirm. And now it's the exact reverse. They, they flipped. There's clips. You can see Lindsey Graham saying, use my words against me but not caring. And you can see Joe Biden claiming that it was a constitutional duty and obligation to appoint and confirm a justice now saying that it's a duty not to. So they're all hypocrites on both sides, which means it cancels out, unfortunately. All right. Date number four, Mm -hmm. April 6th, 2017. Gorsuch, let's go. Chuck Schumer announces the intention of Democrats to filibuster Neil Gorsuch. Um, Senator Collins of Maine does attempt to see if she can persuade enough Democrats to not filibuster. Um, She is unsuccessful in those attempts. Shocking. And on April 6th, the filibuster is abolished 52 to 48. Neil Gorsuch is confirmed. Good job, McConnell. The Justice Scalia seat that Mitch McConnell set left open. Mm -hmm. And now, Jack. And forcing Ben Shapiro to wear a MAGA hat, which was quite amusing. And now, Jack, we come to the fifth date. Mm-hmm. September 18th, 2020. 
Justice I'm sorry, you're just going to skip over when Brett Kavanaugh was selected and then Dems accused him without evidence of gang rape, working with the Russians and raping a girl in high school? Yeah, so here's why I'm going to skip over that. It wasn't a institutional change. It was just a cultural change. Okay, interesting. Still bad, but still bad. Egregious, disgusting. um, Miguel Estrada hearings. Yeah, and the about to be Amy Conan Barrett uh, bigoted uh religious hatred hearings but yeah what's your uh... Bork hearings were bad oh Bork hearings clarence thomas but yeah uh well to be fair like anita hill did get treated kind of horrendously in the thomas hearings um she pulled she was lying so (laughs) you know i tend to be sympathetic to the idea that people who come forward and then testify in front of the american public generally aren't lying you know McCarthy testified to the American public. Average people? Um, Reem, have you met the average person? Do they seem the most morally upright individual? No, like it's hard to lie. Are like, you really gonna believe that people straight the whole time? The same people who are sinful and depraved in every other aspect of their lives, once you put a microphone in them, they become angels. People lie all the time. Negative view of humanity, Jack. I'm just I'm just saying like have you worked in a gro- once you work in a grocery store and you see monsters refuse to put a card up? There's no way you could have a good view of these savages. All right, they're I'm animals. I'm sympathetic to the idea that you know both Hill and Thomas mm-hmm. face mistreatment. Ford and Kavanaugh both went through an ordeal that neither of them should have gone through. Ford, Christine Blasey Ford. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of President Ford. I was like, what nope. on earth? We're talking confirmations, Jack. No, she straight up lied. Her story wasn't collaborated by a single one of her witnesses. She deserves nothing for what she got. And for for people who are trying to figure out if they should believe someone or not, if the person says they couldn't remember fully until after they talked to their lawyers, odds are might be a little fishy. Yeah, what, what were you going to say about the date that okay, killed so the Jack and I disagree here. Um, fun times. September 5th, September 18th, 2020, um, Justice Ginsburg passes away. Mitch McConnell, like he did with Justice Scalia, announces on the same day that any nominee of Trump's will receive a vote on the floor. And Senator Ed Markey, who just won his primary against one Ted Kennedy, um, (laughs) becomes the first senator to call for the expansion of SCOTUS and abolishment of the legislative filibuster if a justice is confirmed. However, Democrats have already been calling for both of those things. Yeah, it's, it's kind of rough to claim that now you have a hostage and you want all these demands when you already made all the demands years ago. That's not a thing. It's uh, This isn't new. It's already baked into the cake. Right. The, yeah, like the... There exists a, a lot... Like, there had already been talk about what it would take to abolish the filibuster well before this happened. Yeah, pure, pure insanity. Right, and Bernie Sanders brought up like rotating justices on and off the Supreme Court, which is which is unconstitutional. The the Constitution clearly grants them lifetime appointments. A take, and I think for episode thirty, Jack and I, we might actually be doing a Supreme Court reform, right? Yeah, uh, well, I'm yeah. going to bring a few of them up for this this episode, but they'll probably be more developed yeah. by then. Well, I had a radical um, thought experiment on it, which I know we talked about, which was yeah. It'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, do you have any more to add on your Supreme Court thing before no, I delve so, in? So, so, I think, so I think if you look at those five dates, you just see the Senate rule book slowly wither and wither and mm-hmm. those safeguards are gone. And, you know, as 
Senator Ben Sass spoke about in a speech during the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, the institution of the Senate is broken. Um, mm-hmm. It is. And these five dates are some of those dates which have broken it. And let me make one more point, Jack, actually, which is these Supreme Court fights wouldn't be nearly as bad if Congress was actually doing its job. And- <laughs> <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me that the Browns are going to make the playoffs. And actually making... <laughs> Hey, look, um, Baker Mayfield, great quarterback. Um, okay. Um, um, no, no, no. If, if, if Congress was actually making laws and overseeing the executive, and, you know, like, <laughs> what is this fantasy what branch is supposed to do? But instead, they've abdicated a bunch of their power to Article One, mm-hmm. and the only people who seem interested in it all reviewing whether Article One actually, you know, follows the Constitution or the Administrative Procedures Act or other laws. Man, laws. What a what what a what a concept. Congress should look into those. Um the only other branch that's willing to do oversight because it's obliged to is Article three, the judicial branch. And so mm-hmm. the only way that someone can overturn, let's say, a travel ban on people coming into the country from certain countries that are majority Islamic, isn't to take it to Congress because Congress doesn't function but instead to take it to the courts. So, Or let's say you think a certain program that defers action for illegal immigrants who arrived as children, the only way to challenge such a executive order isn't through Congress because Congress can't be bothered it's to take it to the courts. And I think if, you know, Congress would do its job and actually, I don't know, legislate or at least at bare minimum do oversight and maybe, you know, correct things that it thinks article one doesn't properly, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe just maybe the confirmation hearings for the officers of article three wouldn't be quite so contentious. So I think you're somewhat right about that. Obviously, the Supreme Court, and you should also mention some of this hasn't been Congress abdicating. It's been the Supreme Court stealing. Like the Supreme Court has actively taken powers that should not be them, and they've basically made themselves super legislators. And justices like Ginsburg, Kagan, Sotomayor, uh, going all the way back to the Warren Court, really see Soder. themselves as legislature legislators, not judges. And it's their job to decide, uh, oh, I wish I had the quotes on this. Scalia quotes them a bunch in his book. There's all these justices who are like, it's our job to make sure society progresses. It's our job to make sure the laws stay more. No, it's not. That's the legislature's job. Your job is to interpret the law. And because the left fundamentally has a different interpretation of what the Supreme Court is supposed to do, we have these battles the right like the clarence thomas and justice scalia's they don't have to agree with the law they're going to interpret it fairly the left goes let's push this leftist policy oh we didn't get it in the legislature guess what we got the court we can do it again to be fair jack there are a lot of common good conservatives at this point like yes senator josh hawley who so common good conservatism on a list of potential judicial nominees from mm-hmm. donald j trump so um, yeah Common good conservatism, for those who don't know, is basically it's the counter re- it's the unacceptable counter reaction to leftism. It's seeing that the left is trying to use the gun and power of government to force their ideology down everyone's throats. And instead of going, let's oppose that, they go, let's oppose that. 
by shoving our ideology down the people's throats. Both are unacceptable. There have been conservative judicial activists on the court before. Uh, what, what, what's his name? Uh, the one in the 50s who dissented in Baker versus Carr uh, would be the one whose name I'm blanking on. But uh, it's a terrible thing, but it's usually on the left these days. Like today in the modern era, most Republicans want originalists. It's still in the vast majority. And that's what a justice is supposed to do. The justice is supposed to interpret laws it's not supposed to dictate where laws are going to go. And truly, when it comes to Ginsburg, she should have been in the legislature. Like National Review has a really good article by Kevin Williamson right now talking about how she didn't understand her job. She was supposed to be in the Congress for the stuff she was wanting to do, not the Supreme Court. And that's why the left is so riled up about us appointing another justice, because we're not going to let that slide. We're not going to push their agenda through the court. And you, you see this, they... Instead of getting gay marriage passed through the legislatures, let's do it through the court. Can't get, uh, uh, what was it called? Sexual orientation discrimination added to Title VII. Let's just do it through the court. That's the usual trend on the left, and it's unacceptable, and conservatives need to oppose it wholesale. So, one, um, I disagree with your characterization of Bostock there um, and would refer you to the majority opinion written by one. And I would refer Justice you to the Gorsuch. correct dissent written by Justice Alito. And I now, do believe that the judge you're but, referring to is Justice Frankfurter. Um, no, it's not him. It's the other one. Uh, Justice Harlan? Yeah, Justice Harlan. Okay. Um, or maybe, okay. oh, I could be getting that wrong. Maybe it's Frankfurter. I know there was one. But, yeah, but Jack, my point is after Bostock, I'll make this point and then we'll move on. Just after Bostock, Josh Hawley came out and basically said, the conservative legal movement is dead because a textualist had found that the text of the law said something that Josh Hawley disagreed with and Josh Hawley wanted to change what the text of the law said from the bench and expected judges to do the same thing. But instead two Republican appointed judges disagreed with him. So I'm just, I'm just putting Yeah, common, good, conservative, bad, but that case was terrible. But anyway, here, here's my take on the whole thing. First for the SCOTUS opening. First, there's been a lot of talk about RBG's last wish being that a, the next president pick, her successor. I don't care, and neither should you, because we live in a republic. This is not an oligarchy where the people at the top get to pick their successors. That's how monarchies work. That's how oligarchies work. That's how tyrannies work. It's not how a free republic works. You don't get to do that. And it's gross that people would consider that. Ginsburg made a political mistake. She was already old. She could have retired during the Obama administration. She was confident that Hillary Clinton was going to win and she would get to retire comfortably during the Hillary Clinton administration. She was wrong. The American people selected Donald Trump and selected a Republican Senate. Therefore, Donald Trump and the Republican Senate get to confirm the justice, not you. And if you would like Democrats to get to nominate the next one, then vote for them. But you don't get to change the rules or follow the commands of an 87-year-old oligarch. Uh well, okay, I'm going to disagree with the characterization of Ginsburg as an oligarch. The Supreme um, Court is trying its best to make itself an oligarchy. But... Great. Um, I just note that the same concern should also be present for uh, Justice Breyer. Justice Breyer is 82 years old. Um, yeah, he could die soon. Mm. He is get it, get, getting up there. Um, so if you're like, I know a lot of pressure was put on Ginsburg to hold it out, but. Yeah, it was a political Breyer miscalculation. Also retired during. Mm -hmm. The years where A. Reid had a Senate majority and Barack Obama was president. 
They yeah. both probably should have retired, but that's they didn't. Moving on. Wait, I, I have some, a oh, lot more sorry. stuff. All right, I have okay. a lot more stuff. Right. Oh. So, so uh, the on the issue of if McConnell should confirm, his logic in 2016 oh, was was wrong. All right. Uh, McConnell argued that it's a presidential election year. Therefore, we should let the people decide. First of all, you know who disagrees that we should let the people decide? The founders who place state legislatures in charge of picking the senators. And why shouldn't... 17th Amendment. Why? And that's actually the date the Senate died, Reem, when that was ratified. All right. Uh, (laughs) April 8th, 1913. That's when the Senate died. But why shouldn't the people get to pick the Supreme Court justice? Well, I'll tell you. According to a a recent poll, according to National Review, Review. 24% of Americans are unable to give an opinion of any of the nine justices, with only 30% able to give an opinion of six or more. So... People who don't know about it shouldn't get a say. That's ridiculous. But McConnell shouldn't have argued that because what's the logic for that? Are we also going to do that with laws and be like, no, no, it's too soon to the election. Let's let's wait on that law and let the people decide. No, you're in office till a given date. If you feel that the people's blessing of you being in office or your what's the right word? If you feel Man. that. Yes, if you feel that your popular mandate has expired already, that's an argument that the anti-federalists argued in favor of shortening the terms. But while you're there, you get to do what you do. And the Republicans not letting a Democrat president pick a justice is called checks and balances. That's how the system's supposed to work. But here's the deal, Democrats. I have a deal. I have a deal for you right now. It's not going to happen. It would be a genius deal, but it's not going to happen. But it's my two cents for the situation. A justice for an amendment. We own this. We own the Congress. We're going to get to pick the nominee. But here's the deal. As my co-host so often says, here's the deal. If, if you agree, we have till January 2nd to get this done. If you agree to buy January 2nd and do it, ratify a constitutional amendment Setting the Supreme Court at nine justices, one chief justice and eight associate justices, the Republicans nominate and confirm Merrick Garland. That's a fair trade. You don't get to stack the court and we give you Merrick Garland. That's a fair deal that ensures the Supreme Court will never be stacked. I'll do that. But if you're not willing to do that deal, Amy Conan Barrett. And that brings us to our next topic of discussion. Amy Conan Barrett. The Supreme Court justice pick is pretty clear at this point. She's visited the White House twice and Trump is quoted a year about a year ago as saying, quote, I'm saving her for Ruth. So we, we, we knew this was coming. Amy Conan Barrett is likely to be the nominee. Trump announces on Saturday she's a circuit court judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals Second Seventh Circuit. She's a Notre Dame law alumni. She taught there as a professor as well. She's very well qualified. She's a staunch originalist who we want on the court who clerked for Antonin Scalia. But there is a problem. It's horrific. Might disqualify her. She's Catholic. Now that's, 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 uh, sarcasm from me but not so from the democrats it's kind of hard to mistake them from queen elizabeth the first right now with their uh, catholic policy the nominee happens to be part of this group called people of praise which does horrific things as believe in an internal covenant with god Ooh, scary uh thinks that women should submit to their husbands it's uh, ephesians 5 25 
and uh, thinks that they should do everything in their lives to further the kingdom of God. Ooh, it's, it's very frightening stuff. Honestly, it's sounding like a satanic cult, which someone at the Huffington Post claimed the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg made them have to join the satanic church. So there's I don't that. think that was satire, actually. I think that was an actual article. That Jack. was serious. The left is crazy. But if any of you think that uh, Amy Conan Barrett's religious beliefs should disqualify her, David French has a fantastic article at National Review talking about how that's insanity. Uh, the media is out in full arms claiming that if she gets appointed, Handsmaid's Tale is imminent. Which, do you remember very many women getting to be justices in the Handsmaid's Tale? I don't remember that. I, uh, I don't think they were allowed to have uh, high-ranking jobs. So that's a ri- little ridiculous. I mean, the, the idea that she's going to force down some religious theocracy. All right, if she's truly Catholic, Matthew 19, 16 through 23, Matthew 23, 37, and Joshua 24, 15 all ordain the right to religious freedom. So there's no chance that she's going to be doing that. But that nonetheless, the Dems are continuing to be disgusting. When she was nominated to be a judge in 2017, uh, Dick Durbin, a senator, uh, a Democratic senator, straight up asked her, do you consider yourself an Orthodox Catholic, which should never be asked at a confirmation hearing? And then Barrett responded, any kind of conviction, religious or otherwise, should never surpass the law. But Senator Dianne Feinstein noted, when you read your speeches, the conclusions one draws is that the dogma lives proudly within you, and that's of concern. And then uh, Maisie Hirono, the idiot from Hawaii, said, uh, you would be... you." Uh, Honestly, that's an insult to idiots and the state of Hawaii. No, I'm let's sorry. Respect, let's respect senators, Jack. I can't respect the unrespectable. Uh, she she just mentioned point blank, you would be a Catholic judge, and then used that clause to start condemning her and saying that she shouldn't be a judge. Now, you know who disagreed with getting to do this? The founders, the Article 6, Clause 3, is known as the No Religious Test Clause. You're not allowed to impose a religious test. It's immoral, it's evil, and it's disgusting that the Dems are doing it. And it's proof that Republicans should get to pick the senator, not the Dems. All right, Jack. Let me let me let me let me start here with just a note. So people appraise as a charismatic um, Catholic group. So charismatic is referring to the idea that people still have spiritual gifts like prophecy or speaking in tongues and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's most popular in Protestant domina- denominations, specifically Pentecostal denominations. Are you saying that the people of praise is popular or speaking in tongues? I'm speaking charismatic. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, no, it's a Catholic. It's one of the growing branches of Christianity, specifically oh, really? the Pentecostal church. So it's more prevalent in Protestant places, but you know, there are Catholics who are charismatic. I think there's a, like the Archbishop of Oregon is actually a charismatic Catholic. Um, ah. Like, uh, Judge Barrett is. So let me just note one thing. The way that the media is portraying people of praise, and so far I've only seen an article from Reuters and an article from Newsweek that have been egregious. Is this the one where they claimed in the title that this was the coming of the Handsmaid's Tale and then they, or was the inspiration, and then they had a correction saying that it wasn't the inspiration, but they kept yes, the title? Yes, that was the Newsweek article. Um Arguments like that are why conservatives and Republicans were so receptive to Donald Trump saying the news is fake. Yeah. And also, real quick, I got to point out, I feel justified in my 2016 support of Trump. My entire justification was the judges and I got three. So I was yeah, right. So I'm sure we'll talk more about the electoral impacts of this. But there's a chance, Jack, that for people like you, 
they'll see, oh, it's a 6-3 court now. I don't have to vote for Trump again. We're, and yeah, I'll be st- talking about that in November. The logic for Trump was right in 2016, I feel, but that same logic proves why you shouldn't vote for him this year. We have the court. He's a disgusting man. There's no reason to vote for him. Okay. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Um I'll I'll say how I would be voting on this. I'd be a nay vote on cloture. I actually do think that this should probably wait till the next election just for like, you know, ballots were already sent out. Like, but why the people elected for the American body politic, like but yeah, the know, American people that, elected the president and the Congress to serve yeah. until January 3rd and January 20th, 2021. So why should they yeah. not do their jobs? Like that would not be justified in any other industry. Like if the applications had been sent to replace you at work and your boss was like, do this. And you're like, the applications have already been sent. I understand that there is a constitutional right for the Senate to get to do this. I'm just saying that for the good of American politics. So really, do you think it's better to let the party that wants institutions to remain intact to pick or the party that's saying day one, we're stacking the court and whose nominee who you claim to be a moderate is refusing to answer if he'll allow the court to be stacked or not when pressed on it. Yeah, I do think Joe Biden's going to have to answer that next week on Tuesday night when Chris Wallace undoubtedly asks him about it. So I hope all the debate prep he's been doing but these last sh- couple of days is paying off. Is it not true that the people who aren't trying to stack the court, it's probably better for the American body politic if they get to pick the justice? But I also recognize that there are people in the Democratic caucus like Senator Feinstein or Senator... Manchin. Mansion from West Virginia, who don't want to do that. Yes. So I don't know. Like I, I, I just think that the fact that they'd be able to get to forty votes, which they would, is scary enough. I just think that you shouldn't do a vote on this. So would you hold that with a law too? Like why this one issue? Like if there was a law right now, would you go? Let's vote on it after a proposed law. Like you can't recall, like you can't repeal the appointment of Judge Barrett, right? I mean, you, you can, can repeal any law that gets passed. I mean, it's difficult, but again, it's their job. Like they, oh, they no, 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 and this no, is no, what no, I think I, it would be very, it would be betraying their base. You can't run on, we'll give you judges and then not deliver judges. But they have delivered judges, Jack. They've delivered a record number. But we're about to get one more. It's going to be awesome. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. I would do, if so, I was in Congress, I would propose my deal and I would get the Dems. McConnell should do this. He should get the Dems on record. He should propose two acts right now. One, an act to increase the court and one to abolish the filibuster. And he should tell all the Republicans to vote no, obviously. And let's get them on record and let's propose our deal. And once they prove they're the party of insanity, let's let's give them Amy Barrett. Now, to this. now okay, last thing on this topic. I do think something bad that's happening is Chuck Schumer shutting down all Senate business, including a yeah, he's throwing a tantrum bipartisan hearing with the head of election security from DHS, I think. Yeah. Um, so the Democrats objected to, yeah. despite the fact that both the ranking member and the chairman of the committee both wanted the hearing to happen, which is just, so to show how insane the, Dem- the, the Dems are and how they don't actually mean anything they say, for four years, we've been told that we have a constitutional crisis on our hands because the Russians won Donald Trump the election. Now, of course, that's not true, but that's what the Democrats argue. So we're having these election intel things to make sure Russia doesn't 
interfere with our elections, which if it's a constitutional crisis, as Schumer claims it is, that should be at the utmost, like we should be focusing on that no matter what. But Schumer didn't get his way. Schumer Schumer didn't get the justice he wanted. So no one can get their way. He's taking his ball and he's going home like the little kid he is. And he's shutting down Intel meetings over a Supreme Court thing. You know what this is going to lead to, Jack? It's going to lead to the minority leader in the Senate no longer having the ability to, to object to committee proceedings. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do mutually assured destruction, we will win. I don't want to do mutually assured destruction. I don't destruction. think anyone wins, Jack. I think everybody ends up, get this, destroyed. Nope. We'll do it better. Just um, if we destroy them more, then we win. But no, um, this is honestly, it's just the tip of the iceberg for the dim insanity. Yeah, my logic didn't make sense. I, no, I it didn't make sense at all. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Who knows? Um, I'm like I'm like Nancy Pelosi getting interviewed on the Sunday morning show. Okay, know. moving on to but, discussions about progressives taking radical ideas. Go. Wait, uh, I, I got to add a few real quick. Uh, like that's just the tip of the iceberg for their whole filibuster, stack the court. And then the insanity, Don Lemon has promised that they're going to tear the whole system down. And plenty of celebrities and Dems were saying they'll riot even more over the justice thing. So they're trying to use the heckler's veto to get a justice. Here's the thing about heckler's vetoes. You shouldn't give them their way because as soon as you give them their way, they know they can do that every time. If your kid is throwing a tantrum and that's what makes you go get them a treat, they'll continue to throw tantrums. You got to fight back and you got to stand up. But Jack, the- I know wait, I know I said it was done. I have one more thing. Politico reported that a Democrat brought up in their most recent, like a Democrat brought up in their most recent lunch, like, Hey, if we legitimize the idea of expanding the court and like do it, what's to stop Republicans from doing it if they ever get the majority again? And I just like to say that that is the most like I'm glad that someone said that because I don't think anyone said that in 2013 and I think they're regretting it. Okay, sorry. Go. Yeah. So to continue with their insanity, Abram X. Kennedy, who's one of the thought leaders on the left now, his uh, most recent book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, is a bestseller. Like they love the thing. He's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go around and explain to people how they're racist and terrible and America's racist and terrible, which we're not. We're the greatest country on earth. So anyway, in Politico, he has a article which is... Uh, presumably at least favorable towards the views of many Democrats called pass an anti-racist constitutional amendment. And we have one, it's called the 14th amendment. Already took care of that buddy. But this insanity is, it it is racism just as the anti-fascists and Antifa are actually fascists. The anti-racist amendment kind of racist. So uh, this amendment would make unconstitutional racial inequality over a certain threshold. Now you may be thinking listener, no, no, no. The Equal Protection Clause already says that you can't you can't make a one law for whites and one law for blacks. No, no. What this would do is say that a freedom is granted to a white man and a black man. Say, um, say a law cuts taxes, but disproportionately white people benefit more. Coincidentally, that law could be struck down as racist, which is insane. It's an insane policy. Discrimination is not equal disparity. And there's actually Supreme Court cases talking about this for the 14th Amendment. Go read them. So it would establish that. Jack, which ones would you recommend people read the opinions of? The originalists. Uh, yeah, so, which cases? Oh, uh, oh, which cases? Uh, dang, let me find it real quick. Uh, this one's good. Mm, it's so hard. Just read the Earl, the Warren Court cases. Read Clarence Thomas. Uh, all right, well, Jack, read the affirmative action ones. But anyway, uh, yeah, moving I on with this. That no member of the U.S. Senate is supporting this proposal at the moment. So yet, 
yet. All right, go on, Jack. Um, and they're supporting stacking the court. They're radical enough. So anyway, this amendment, uh, it would also make racist ideas by public officials clearly defined and forbidden, uh, which that seems to be subjective and a First Amendment issue. It would establish and permanently fund the Department of Anti-Racism, comprised of formerly trained experts on racism and no political appointees. So the American people wouldn't get a say. The bureaucracy would control you. This is this stems from this is such an elitist Marxist crap idea that the people are too stupid to rule over themselves. We must appoint more enlightened individuals to rule over the ignorant masses, the basket of deplorables. So uh, this this agency would be responsible for pre-clearing, listen to this, Rain. this is in Politico, pre-clearing all local, state, and federal public policies to ensure they won't yield racial inequality, monitor these policies, investigate private racist policies when racial inequality surfaces, and monitor public officials for expressions of racist ideas. The DOA would be empowered with disciplinary tools to wield over against policymakers and public officials who do not voluntarily change their racist policy ideas. This is tyranny, plain and simple. This is insane. Read Thomas Sowell's book, who is a black man who grew up in Jim Crow. Discrimination does not equal disparity. The people get to pick the laws, not an unlikely... Disparity doesn't equal discrimination. Yes, my apologies. Uh, (laughs) This is just insane. Reem, your your take on this blatant radicalism and authoritarianism? The fringes of any ideological movement will always be extremist. Reem, the fringe, it's a best-selling book. His ideas, he's being quoted. Like this is, I talked about last week, the dim policy doesn't match up with him yet, but the rhetoric does. So there's a contradiction, but that contradiction is dangerous enough. Like when Joe Biden's talking about how we are systematically racist, he is, he's stealing the quotes and the beliefs of the Ibram X Kennedys and of the white fragility people. That's their ideas. The Democratic Party's embracing that. There's rioting going on right now because of those ideas. There's like the best case, this is a Wisconsin governor. So this is an elected official in a purple state. When there was that most recent police shooting with Jacob Blake, he literally said, we don't know the facts yet, but we don't need to know them to know this is racist. That's that's this ideology, and it's spreading, and those are the people that will get to decide if your laws are constitutional or not. It's insane. Do not let these people get any power. Vote them out. Vote red, and keep the Senate red. Thanks for your flight 93-ism on the U.S. Senate, Jack. Um, that's not fine. I didn't say it would be the end of the republic. I said don't let these people have power and vote red. Like I never said it would be the end if they won. I don't think right. it would be. Thank you for your... Pitch for like, Republicans? Sure. Yeah, yeah. whatever. But um, but Republicans, real quick, you'd think it would be easy. You think it would be easy to win because the Dems are rioting. They're thinking about stacking the court and getting rid of the filibuster. They're wanting to establish a dictatorial uh, anti-racist commission that's inherently racist. But here comes President Donald J. Trump uh, going to ensure that he gives Repub- or Democrats a fair chance to win. This was another week of good Trump, bad Trump. He did the 1776 commission, which would, according to Daily Wire, ensure kids are patriotic and taught patriotic things at the 
and education. I have some opposition so too, for just that, because it sounds like it's, it's going to be great, like... So the Guardian ridiculously claimed it would be fascist. It's not fascist to teach kids to love the country. And indeed, they should love the country because the government is inherently a moral agent. So it's either acting morally or immorally. So you should either love it because it's acting morally or hate it because it's acting immorally. And if you hate it because it's acting immorally, you're going to want to destroy it. Like there is no the government just is. Like there's no Switzerland position for how the government's doing. You can't be neutral. It's either a good in the world or a bad in the world. And if we're not a good, we're a bad. So you must teach that we're a good. But the issue I have is that this should be coming from the state, not the federal government. It, uh... Okay, my issue is not that. My issue is more profound, which is let's not tell people what conclusions to draw. Let's teach people how to think critically and actually teach civics because we don't teach civics that well. In but Ray, you, right you, you wouldn't hold that for history. You don't hold that for history. Do you think that if a kid raises their hand and goes, were the Nazis the good guys or the bad guys? You should go, well, think for yourself. Here's some critical thinking skills. Or do you think it's incumbent on the adult to instill a child with virtuous values and go, the Nazis were bad. We were good. Here's why our ideology made us the good guys. And here's why their ideology made them the bad guys. I think a comprehensive education system would present the fact that, you know, they engaged in genocide and. But why is that bad? Again, you're going to have to draw a moral stance and you're going to have to take a moral position at some point. I think an effective teaching of civics would 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 go a long way. And I agree with Jonah Goldberg. The debate between the 1776 project and the 19 or 1619 project is going to leave about 80% of Americans on the sidelines thinking, I, I just want better curriculums that aren't fueled by politicians who are trying to get what they want. I mean, the best solution would be Matt Walsh's idea. Let's privatize everything. Homeschool is up record amounts, like historic record amounts. Let's tear down the public school system. Let's get some private religious schools going. Let's go. This is a dream of mine. But there's been more executive orders. Trump's a busy man. He also has done more executive orders on critical race theory. So he's banned at being taught in the federal government. Great move, sir. That's a direct rebuttal to the uh, 1619 project. Jack, do you think Donald Trump knows what critical race theory is? Where he had this discussion. The answer is no, but I'm happy he did it. So uh, good job, President Trump, for that. But he's also signing executive orders saying we won't do business with companies that engage in it. That I disagree with for a little bit. I think the only time you should take a company's values into account is when it presents a national security concern. So not happy about that. And then the other executive order would be the Born Alive one. He which it. would provide uh it's basically the born alive act but in an executive order now as anyone knows me knows i am very passionately pro-life abortion is the greatest evil the united states has engaged in since the days of slavery and we will not it'll be very hard to call ourselves a completely moral nation until we've rid ourselves of that abomination but we have to do it through the system trump is not a king he doesn't get to pass executive orders as a king, even if I happen to like the policy. This is an act, not an executive order. And this is clear executive overreach and should be struck down from a federalist. Has standpoint. he already signed the executive order, Jack? I don't know. I uh, know. I think okay. he announced it according to the New York Post. Okay. So but as soon I as he does. A, I expect an immediate nationwide injunction out of Ninth Circuit. Um shock shock somewhere from there so and 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 i expect that injunction to get upheld at the supreme court so yeah all right here's the big deal from trump 
Donald Trump was asked the softball question of, will you commit to the peaceful transition of power? And his answer was not yes. His answer was, we'll see. Um, Idiot. Idiot. Jack, I'm going to, I'm going to say something here. One, any Republican who doesn't condemn this remark should be stripped of all their committee assignments. No, no, no. Anyone who defends it should be yelled at, but this isn't. Okay, anyone who defends this remark, including they shouldn't former be stripped. governor of Wisconsin, they shouldn't Scott be stripped. Walker, who famously dropped out of the Republican primary in 2016 quite early, probably because he was having money troubles, and said that more people should also drop out so they could stop Donald Trump from winning the primary and is the new president of one of the largest conservative organizations in the country, Young America's Foundation, defended this remark, saying that it was the media trying to trap Donald Trump. And here's the deal. It was, but it was still a bad remark. Well, okay. Normally, th- this question gets asked like every cycle, and normally media types get panned for asking it because, of course, the president is going to say they're committed to it because it's an easy question and it's easy for them to answer, and they can get a good soundbite of it. So normally, CNN would ask it of Obama, Fox would ask it of Bush, things like that. It was great. Don't you mean that CNN would ask it of Bush and Fox would ask it of Obama? No, friendly outlets would ask it. Because, oh, because it's a layup? Okay. Yeah, because it's a layup. Yes, exactly. Apparently, though, it does need to be asked because this president didn't say yes. He said, we'll see. You know what's a bad answer to this question? Will anything other than yes. Jack, who was the last president who did not commit to the peaceful transition of power? And what immediately followed their presidency? Ah, you're recalling our conversation earlier today. That would be, I do believe, I could be wrong with this. I believe it was one James... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Buchanan, is that it? Yes, Buchanan. Buchanan, who led to the Civil War. So it's so, not a good thing. So it's not completely without precedent to say this, but the precedent is there's a civil war immediately yeah. following your presidency. So yeah. I'm not excited about that. Hot take. I, I think that Trump, one, shouldn't have said this. Two, this will only further embolden the more violent sides of his supporters of which the more violent side of his supporters. Like who's rioting in the streets? Who's throwing Molotov cocktails? We're not going to get into this tonight, but like bad things are happening in Trump world, including like some voter intimidation. That's like actual voter intimidation and is bad. Um, in Virginia, but, um, yeah, my, my take, this is bad. This is dumb. Stop defending it. Especially if you dropped out of a primary saying more people should also drop out so they can oppose Trump. So I take the <clears throat> sh- shock of shocks. I agree with Ben Shapiro on this one. Uh, oh, I, I know. One, I know. It, uh, it never happens. He and I. I mean, his interpretation of Isaiah 53 is wrong. But other than that, he's usually spot on. But his take basically is that everyone's right. And I think that's true. So the conservatives see this. And they see it as a media trying to trap a president they hate. True. They see it as the media asking things. Yeah, 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 yeah. This question is not a trap question. This for them, is a it layup. is. For them. It, it, two things Any question is a trap question for Trump, so, unless it's like OAN asking him, do so, you think you're the greatest president since George Washington? That's most media to Biden. Uh, but uh, Anyway, the they're right about that. The media claiming that, oh my gosh, t- he's going to stay. There's going to be a tyranny. We are on the verge of the Fourth Reich. No, like that's insane. The conservatives are right to call them out for that. And Shapiro was right. 
we don't take Trump as seriously as we take Obama's statement because Trump's an inherently unserious person. He says ridiculous things all the time. I've kind of related him to the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. He says a lot of nuts things, but you know he's not going to do anything. Now, the problem with that is when you're president, it's incumbent upon you to not act like the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. So while he's not going to declare dictatorship and while we're not on the verge of tyranny, as Ben Shapiro said, his comments were egregious. One of the things this republic was built on is the election of 1800, perhaps the most consequential election in human history, where the United States and our great system of government, our great eternal values that are embedded within this government, proved we can have a peaceful transition of power and no one should say anything that disrupts or endangers that. And it's worth noting if any president ever did refuse to leave office, it's not going to happen this time, but if he did, it would be worthy of the death penalty. And it's also worth noting that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden have said that they're not going to concede the election under any circumstances. So it goes both ways, people. Everyone sucks. Hey, so Jack, the uh, I've got another thing to put under bad Trump here. Um, there's a lot. The Trump campaign tweeted out, like the official campaign Twitter tweeted out a video of the president saying he's going to allocate unilaterally without congressional authorization. The president is going to allocate funds, which um, already some eyebrows are being raised to spend six point six billion dollars to give the 33 million Americans on um, Medicare a two hundred dollar cash card, basically in the mail. So the president is giving money to seniors, an uh, important election demographic, as you'll recall, without congressional approval. Jack, does that sound constitutional? It, it is not. Uh, you'd think, though, instead of instead of considering impeaching him over this, the Dems are considering impeaching him over nominating a Supreme Court justice, which is one of his duties. So just, again, everyone sucks, but that is unconstitutional and very bad. Now, we've given y'all a lot of bad news, not looking good for the Republic, except for Amy Conan Barrett, this great originalist and hero of the Republic, is soon going to have her rightful spot on the court and do just great. Just there, amazing. I can't there wait. 51 votes to stop that. Like the vote is happening. It's done. She's in. Mitch knows how to do his or, job. Or Judge Barbara Lagoa, maybe. I I'll I'll I will fight Trump. 75-25. is what I'd put it at. Amy Conan Barrett is a fantastic justice. I can't wait for her to get picked. But let, let's have a bit of happy subjects before we leave. Y'all know that we're running pretty late per our usual. At this point, we're not right. running late. This is our normal time. Well, Shapiro can run an hour and a half. I can run an hour. So first, we're, we're well past an hour. Just first, to be clear. fantasy football, victorious at last, blew my opponent out by oh, over forty. Well, it can't be everyone's week, but I have a question for our listeners of the utmost importance: the justices don't matter, the the republic doesn't matter, our institutions don't matter. Like all of that can burn, we'll be just fine. What's really important is should I be starting Janu Smith of the Tennessee Titans yes. at the tight end position, or uh, Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys because no. the Cowboys have had a breakout game. He, he's had a breakout game last week, and Seattle has a horrible pass defense. And one of their guys just got hurt. So please comment that if if you've watched to this point and let me know. I could use your advice. But of course, the best news of the week, greatest moment maybe of my life, maybe since the resurrection for human history, Dallas with five minutes left in the fourth quarter had a 99.9% chance to lose according to ESPN. But America's team, God's chosen team, overcame all odds 
with our leader, our glorious quarterback, Dak Prescott, leading successful drives down the field, being the first quarterback to throw over 450 yards and get three rushing touchdowns in the game, and the greatest onside kick I have ever seen to defeat the the Atlanta Falcons 40-39. to Atlanta doesn't know what to do with the lead. Folks, if you haven't seen the onside kick, you should go and watch it. But um, I'll just say that it was a – the way the Atlanta Falcons responded to the onside kick was uniquely bad. You could see clips of the 28-3 to lead they blew just floating through their head. um, In my fantasy league, I scored 133 points this week. Kyler Murray had another breakout week. Dude, I – you have, I owe you an apology. I claimed, I made fun of you for that pick. I thought he was going to be terrible. He he is great, but I have Russell Wilson. So um, that's and I lost. It happens, man. It happens. I got 100. I, I passed 130, which normally if you can do that, like you're set. My opponent got 160 points. That That's a rough go, my friend. So um, my opponent had two of his players get hurt, so. Rough week for the Waterloo Governors, to say the least, listeners. Well, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be talking about the presidential debate next week. Jack, in a in a, in a sentence, with no hyphens, no semicolons, none of that, what are you looking for in the debate? Trump to prep. <laughs> okay. Um I'm not going to, I'll, I'll, I'll keep looking. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. Um, I'll give you mine. Um, Trump to stop lowering expectations for Joe Biden. Yeah. Honestly, I think we'll, Biden is going to try to pitch himself as a return to normalcy and expose all of Trump's craziness. Trump what is going doing the whole campaign. Yeah. Trump okay. is going to try. We'll see to argue the Trojan horse argument that, Joe Biden is the guy who's going to sign in the stacking of the court and the allowing of the filibuster to go and all that stuff. Yay. And we'll give you our thoughts next week. Yeah, we will. So in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at this is news pod. Be sure to like, and subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review. It really does help us reach new listeners. And if you really feel so inclined, please leave a positive um, comment in the Apple podcast um, app it, it it really does go a long way folks and perhaps the most important thing you could do to helping out us here on the podcast is share this as news with a friend of yours you think might enjoy it whether you agree with jack disagree with jack and agree with me instead or disagree with both of us and just find it to be an engaging conversation we'd really invite you to share the podcast because all of those are reasons why we do this we want to kind of show some ideological diversity on the right of center way of thinking, but also allow folks who may not get to hear these opinions to be able to hear them um, almost directly from some, uh, I'm going to use the term conservative thought leaders, Jack. I, th- I, I think we can put that on our resumes at this point, right? It's uh, it's inevitable that we will be. So we might as well embrace the title now, honestly. So folks, just be sure to send the podcast to a couple friends you think might like it. And Thank you so much for continuing to tune in. Uh, actually, Jack, I have I have a bit of news. Assuming our listener rates continue as they are, next week we will be passing 1,000 
total listens to this is news so let's go those are rookie numbers let's pump it up people <laughs> tell your friends to watch we have we have ben shapiro to take down all right that's our goal let's get those numbers up and maybe also like pod save america and some of the other hey once i rule the right i'll be satisfied all right jack i'll i'll let you i'll let you continue your um imperial designs for the republican party and i'll Thank you. <laughs> I'll I'll keep my um, designs for influence of the Tuesday group um, under uh, under wraps for now. Um, I'll allow it under my reign. Oh boy, um, we should just do a comedy podcast like once a month. We should just only tell jokes for a whole podcast. Is that not what we've been doing? Wait, you've been taking this seriously. Dang. Oh, no. Huh. I thought I was doing it for a bit. I thought you were supposed to be... Oh, Jack. Sorry. Right. For those who want to see our comedy, check out our episode, This is Chaz. <laughs> and I think the follow-up, This is the End of Chaz. Um, both of which, very important. Okay. As always, thank you very much for tuning in. For This is News, I'm Reem. And I'm Jack. And we'll talk to you all soon.